Hey guys, this is Margie Brown, an undergraduate student at Brigham Young University and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I bring to you the Priesthood Diaries, an in-depth look at the restoration of the priesthood. Today we will be looking at a pretty touchy subject, and it's not polygamy, but it is race in the priesthood. Before we begin, I just want to say that I am not going to put a political opinion on this. I'm not going to talk about modern day politics in this at all. It's just history and that's all we're going to be going over for this episode. With that in mind, I will give you an overview of this episode. We will be talking about the priesthood ban and race, who was included in that, who wasn't included in that, when did that start, who was the first um, colored man to obtain the priesthood, when that was, and some questions like that. We'll be going over more. There's a lot to cover in this episode as well as any other episode, but that's kind of what we'll be looking at today. Since there's a timeline involved, I do want to say that the church was established in 1830, and I want to tell you this because it gives you a sense of a timeline. So just remember, church established 1830. During Joseph Smith's time as a prophet, there was no ban on the priesthood to anyone. A man just had to be worthy to hold the priesthood, and he could get it. In fact, there were some black men during Joseph Smith's time that were ordained to the priesthood. One of these men was named Elijah Abel. He was baptized into the church in September of 1832, so he was a pretty early member. In Joseph F. Smith's notes, we learn that Elijah Abel was ordained an elder on the 25th of January in 1836. He is even ordained a member of the third quorum of the 70 in December of 1836 in Kirtland. Before I speak more on Elijah Abel, President Brigham Young in 1852 announced that men of black African descent could no longer be ordained to the priesthood. Elijah remained a member even after the ban. He served a mission in the United States and Canada in 1883 to December of 1884. He died shortly after his mission. He actually died on Christmas Day of 1884, and he died in Salt Lake. That was just one of the few black men who were ordained to the priesthood. And we know that there are others. Brigham Young praised a man named Q. Walker Lewis, and he was a black man that who was ordained to the priesthood. In fact, Brigham Young said, quote, we have one of the best elders, an African, end quote. That was said on March 26 of 1847 in a special general office meeting. You can actually find this in the general church minutes. As said earlier in 1852, President Brigham Young publicly announced that men of black African descent could no longer be ordained to the priesthood. However, black people continued to join the church through baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Brigham Young allowed these people to go to the temple and participate in temple ordinances. However, after the death of Brigham Young, subsequent church presidents restricted blacks from receiving the temple endowment or even being married in the temple. Now, if we look at a wider picture, the United States was going through a highly contentious racial culture. Before the church was even established, in 1790, the U.S. Congress limited citizenship to, quote, free white persons, end quote. This 
statement was an act to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. And this was said in Congress in the second session of 1790. Slavery was allowed, or let me just say legal, in the more agrarian South. And I want to just say, Joseph Smith openly opposed slavery. In fact, our church was one of the only churches that did not segregate. Many Christian churches had policy of segregated congregations. That has never been the case for us. In 1857, there was a Supreme Court case that declared that blacks possessed, quote, no rights which the white man was bound to respect, end quote. That was said in the Dred Scott case. It's actually one of the most famous racial cases in the Supreme Court. The Civil War did not occur until 1861 through 1865. During the Civil War, President Lincoln put out the Emancipation Proclamation, and many people believe that was the end of slavery, but that was actually not the case. That was only for the rebellious states, actually. There were some border states that were exempt from the proclamation, including Maryland, Missouri, Tennessee, and West Virginia. The Civil War ultimately led to the end of slavery in the United States. By no means was the end of slavery the end of racial discrimination. In 1896, we have the Plessy v. Ferguson, and that's a Supreme Court case, and it, that ruled that separate but equal, which means like black people and white people were separate, they had different facilities, and that's when we started seeing that. And it wasn't until the Brown First Board of Education that segregation actually wasn't equal. In the 1800s and even into the 1900s, there was a lot of states that forbid interracial marriage, and it wasn't until 1967 that the Supreme Court struck down the laws forbidding interracial marriage. Some of you may be asking, why is this important in church context? Well, there's some influences from the outside world that may have pushed for the ban of priesthood on those of African descent. I will say that even though Brigham Young placed the ban in the first place, he also said that black church members would have all the privilege and more. Some members have many theories to explain the priesthood and temple restrictions for, for black members, but I will say that the church has explicitly stated that none of those explanations is accepted as official church doctrine. I am now going to fast forward to the 1940s and 1950s. It was becoming more widely accepted for racial integration in the 1940s and the 1950s. President McKay was the president of the church during this time, and apostles and have said that President McKay did not feel the impression to lift the ban at that time. Now, fast forward to 1978. Spencer W. Kimball spent a lot of time. Actually, it's been stated that he spent many hours in the upper room of the Salt Lake Temple asking for the Lord for divine guidance. It was then when President Spencer W. Kimball and his counselors and the member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles received a revelation. That revelation was announced by the First Presidency on June 8th by saying, He has heard our prayers and by revelation has confirmed that the long-promised day has come. All of our brethren who are worthy may receive the priesthood. End quote. This statement was actually canonized in the Doctrine and Covenants as official declaration too. 
President Gordon B. Hinckley, who was then a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, remembered it this way, quote, There was a hallowed and sanctified atmosphere in the room. For me, it fell as if a conduit opened between the heavenly throne and the kneeling, pleading prophet of God who was joined by his brethren. Every man in that circle, by the power of the Holy Ghost, knew the same thing. Not one of us who was present on that occasion was ever quite the same after that, nor has the church been quite the same. End quote. Now, looking back on some of the things that I have said, some of you may have caught on where I've only talked about black members in the church. This is because the church has always allowed Pacific Islanders, Fijians, Australian Aborigines, they've allowed everyone except this one group of people. I have not been able to find the answers to the questions of why that was, but I just want to put it out there. It was only the black men that were not allowed to have the priesthood. Everyone else was. Today, some members still theorize why black members of the church in the past were not allowed to hold the priesthood. Some have come up was that the black skin is a sign of divine disfavor or a curse. The church has publicly stated that that is not correct. Church leaders today condemn all racism, past and present, in any form. Some people would doubt the validity of the church because of the past. Elder Uchtdorf responded that in a general conference address called Come Join With Us, and he taught, quote, And to be perfectly frank, there have been times when members or leaders in the church have simply made mistakes. There may have been things said or done that were not in harmony with our values, principles, or doctrine. I suppose the church would be perfect only if it were run by perfect beings. God is perfect and his doctrine is pure, but he works through us. His imperfect children and imperfect people make mistakes. By using this statement by Elder Uchtdorf, I am not saying that the ban was a mistake and I am not promoting the ban today. I'm just putting out what the church leaders have put out for us to access. I cannot say with 100% surety that Elder Uchtdorf was commenting on race and the priesthood, but I think his message is still important pertaining to this topic. Now I want to move on to race and the Book of Mormon. Some people have stated that the Book of Mormon has racist undertones. In 2 Nephi chapter 26, verse 33, it teaches, For none of these iniquities come of the Lord, for he doeth that which is good among the children of men, and he doeth nothing save it be plain unto the children of men. And he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness, and he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female, and he remembereth the heathen, and all are alike unto God, both Jew and Gentile, end quote. I want to emphasize two parts in that verse, one being black and white, and then the second one being all are alike unto God. In my analysis of that scripture, I see that it is an invitation to everyone, regardless of skin color and gender. If any of you have any more questions about race and the priesthood, the church has an amazing gospel topic essay on it, and you can find it right on the church's website. And if you want to look into the history on it, there's a lot of information on the Joseph Smith pages regarding race and the priesthood as well. And if any of you are struggling with the past of the church, my biggest recommendation is kneeling in prayer and asking Heavenly Father for guidance and understanding the past 
With all that said, this is the end of this episode. Let the restoration continue.